my, just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I'm your host, Todd Schnick. My friends are in for a real treat today. Chances are you're familiar with this gentleman's past work, but that's not what we are here to talk about today. In fact, we're here to talk about his kick-ass new book, The Dealmaker's yeah. Ten Commandments. I'm joined today by Jeff Cohen. He's a partner and co-founder with Cohen Gardner and the author of a new book called Deal Dealmaker's Ten Commandments, Ten Essential Tools for Business Forged in the Trenches of Hollywood. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. I really appreciate it. Oh, the pleasure is mine, Jeff. I appreciate you making some time to join me. I know you are a busy gentleman, so I do appreciate that. I have a feeling that my audience is very familiar with you, although they may not necessarily know it. Uh, Take a quick few seconds and inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Well, that thank you. I think you know the weight of being a cultural icon is heavy. You know, uh, but actually, uh, uh, I'm currently an entertainment lawyer. And then uh, back in the old days, uh, during the Reagan administration, I was a child actor, and I was in a film called The Goonies. I played Chunk in in The Goonies. Well, I I mentioned to a few friends of mine that I was going to have a chance to chat with you, and they all said, "Well, how in the heck is he going to do the truffle shuffle on on a podcast?" But uh, <laughs> a reasonable question. It a is reasonable a reasonable question. question yeah. But we're here to talk about this new book of yours, uh, and because it I, it is it is actually an awesome book, and I really enjoyed Thank it. You. And and uh, again, it's the the Deal Makers Ten Commandments, the Ten Essential Tools for Business Forged in the Trenches of Hollywood. Jeff, I normally I interview a lot of authors on this show, probably and I was surprised to you, and they write sure. books on sales and on leadership and on innovation and on this and on that. And my, oh, my opening question is oftentimes, why did the world need another book on those subjects? But when I think about this book, which is about how to negotiate deals, it's about how to manage time, it's crisis management. I could ask that same question, but there's a different spin with, with this book in that you talk about how to do all those things without losing your soul in the process. And that, that got my attention. What do you mean by that? Sure. Um, I mean, I think the big picture of the book uh, is that success is life on your own terms. Um, and throughout the book, I have exercises to help the reader discover what those terms are and then give them the tools to get it. So as you said, it's negotiating great deals, managing your time, handling crisis at the highest level without losing your soul. Um, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's one of the dealmaker's commandments. Heed Nietzsche's warning. Uh, Frederick Nietzsche said, beware when fighting monsters, you don't become a monster. And our you know, uh, business environment is so brutal, you have to do a lot of brutal stuff. And my book is brutal. <laughs> book is not, it's not a feel-good, let's-all-hold-hands kind of book. It, it's, uh, it's a punch-your-enemy-in-the-throat-and-take-his-money kind of book. Um, because that's the kind of business environment we live in. 
But there's the question of when you have to be so dark to compete, how do you how do you do that without becoming a monster? And that and that's that's an issue I discuss in the book. Well, life on your own terms. I I, I have a feeling, Jeff, that if you were to ask anyone, are you living life on your own terms? I, I, I worry that a lot of people would say, well, I think so. But I think you and I both know most people aren't. And, and why is that? Why, why did you need to write a manifesto about how to live life on your own terms? I, it took me a long time. I'm in my mid-40s. And, and for most of my life, I, I wasn't living life on my own terms. I, I was living it based on what society expected of me and culture expected of me. That, that's a big shift in terms of how you live your life. I mean, why is that such a problem? No, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's, uh, and, and I think that's actually fundamental. Um, I think two things. There's an idea that, you know, we don't actually know what we want. We know what we're supposed to want. <laughs> we know right, what, right. what society says, this is what you're supposed to want. So I think that's a hurdle that I, I hope the book can help people overcome. And the second idea is there's this marvelous quote from a Herbert Baird Swope, which is, I don't know the secret to success, but I know the secret to failure, which is trying to make everyone else happy. So uh, I think that's right. I mean, because, you know, if you work so hard to reach your goals, when you actually get there and they're not your goals, <laughs> it's, right. uh, you know, it, it's, it makes for a great midlife crisis. So, so hopefully we can, we can short circuit that and help the reader, you know, discover what they really want, what, what's actually really meaningful to them. Yeah, no, I get you. I, you know, when I, when I hear a book title called The Dealmaker's Ten Commandments, I, I, when I hear that it's obviously about negotiating deals, yeah, that makes sense. When I hear about crisis management, that makes sense because frankly, <laughs> a lot of deals I've, ever, I've been a part of, seem to be managed through crisis. I mean, that's just sure. how a lot of these things. But then I hear you say, well, this is about managing your time, too. I, and that almost doesn't seem to fit. Help me understand why that was so important that you had to talk about that in this book. Sure. I mean, time, you know, uh, there's this idea that time is, is both, you know, the most simultaneously the most valuable and most perishable of man's commodities. Um, and I think I think that's right. And for a deal maker, your time is what you sell. Uh, and as a capitalist, uh, you know, time is a resource. So if you are not able to effectively manage your time, your uh, you know impact in the business world is going to really be uh, blunted. So I think managing time is is just is just so fundamental. I don't uh, think people realize yep. how how poorly they manage time. And I'm the first to admit that I I feel like I have a handle on it or I'm getting a handle on it, but but I realize that I really still have a long ways to go on that. And that's probably a never-ending battle, especially with the demands of today's society and all the noise out there. So I, I appreciate you making that such an important issue. The well, well I mean, th there's a big idea that, uh, you know, there's a quote that I use, um, if I do not create my own system, then I will be enslaved by another man's yeah. system. Uh -huh. And I think with time specifically, we have so many, uh, you know, you know, outside forces from, you know, from checking your email to checking your Facebook to, you know, you have to handle this crisis, you have to handle this crisis, you have a family obligation, you have a professional obligation. There are so many pools on our time that if you're not able to create a system and really deal with that effectively, you're you're doomed. Yeah. Well, the guy you're. Comp competing against you have to assume that he's got his under control and that's where and you can, yep. that's a big disadvantage to you if you if you are not managing that time you know I, crisis management obviously is a critical piece of what this book's about and the lessons taught here uh, help you combat that uh, i want to go back to the transition in your life as you mentioned <laughs> you sure. the cultural icon that is chunk not easy. the <laughs> you had a successful childhood career 
And and the, frankly, there isn't anyone that I've talked to that if I mentioned the Goonies or Chunk, they wouldn't know who I was talking about. But that 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 career hit a roadblock, and, and sure. you, you've called that puberty. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's right. No, it's funny, actually. Before I get into the Ten Commandments in the book, um, I have a, a section called Chunk Meets Machiavelli, <laughs> uh, which is kind of my, my uh, thing. I mean, basically, like, I was a kid actor. Uh, you know, that's what I wanted to do and, and kind of, you know, to an extent realize my dream, but then uh, face the child actor's greatest nemesis, puberty, uh, and I looked different. I couldn't get jobs. So, uh, you know, I start off that section with a quote from Shirley Temple, uh, you know, the greatest child actor of all time, and she says, when I was 14, that was the oldest I ever was. I've been getting younger ever since. <laughs> and she writes that because when she was 14, she was fired uh, by her agent because, you know, she was too old. She couldn't, she couldn't, uh, you know, make an impact anymore. So I kind of discuss how, you know, I, you know, I, it was really heartbreaking for me because let me tell you, nobody gives up acting. It's the best job in the world. Okay. There's no job is awesome. They feed you, you get to play make believe. <laughs> Everybody's nice to you. Uh, they pay you pretty good. It's amazing. Like no one intentionally gives up acting, but I, I hit puberty. I looked different. I couldn't get parts. So you know, uh, and why it's called Chunk Meets Machiavelli is because for me in that time in my life, I read the, this book, The Prince, by Nicola Machiavelli. And he writes, uh, he wrote in the book that for a prince, for a ruler, for a king, it is better to be feared than loved. Because people fear you because they have to, and they love you because they want to. And for me, that was just an absolute, you know, uh, re- you know that, that was, tr- you know, transformative. That was insane. Because as an actor... The whole idea is you need people to love you, you need the audience to love you, but, and that works when it works, but when it doesn't, you're kind of, you're out there. So kind of for me, starting with, you know, Machiavelli, which actually is the old maker's commandment one, you know, it is better to be feared than loved, uh, you know, I was able to then kind of build my, you know, little uh, empire in entertainment. And, uh, you know, so for me, it, it, was, it was kind of that book specifically that, that was the, uh, the inflection point. Well, between you and me, the fact that Commandment 1 leads off with Machiavelli is, was very exciting for me. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Because I have a political career, and so obviously that was a, an essential Bible in my career. So, this, so you've heard of him. So you've heard of Machiavelli. You've heard of that guy. I absolutely have. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. A, he's, a, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty good guy book for life. <laughs> and I imagine it's been helpful in dealing with Hollywood. So we'll, oh, go, sure. we'll go there in a minute. So, But this transition, I mean, your stalled career as you hit yeah. maturity, how did you transition to a, a career of success? I mean, because it's not, there's a lot of, you know, a very popular Hollywood meme is this, a lot of childhood acting careers don't end well, right? I mean, I was just engaged in an email sure. dialogue with Lisa Jacob. She is, if you're familiar with Lisa, she was the oldest sister in Mrs. Doubtfire. She, oh, wow. she very quietly transitioned out of childhood acting and became a writer and just put out her own book. And And I was jokingly saying to her in the email that this is going to be a boring conversation because there's no dark, sordid tale of your transition out of childhood. How did you do it? I mean, because uh, it's a big success story because uh, there's not a lot of success stories from childhood actors that transition into the real world. I mean, how did you do it? I mean, what was the mindset? And I, I imagine that someone informs your learnings and lessons taught on crisis management. Yeah, no, thank you. Well, first of all, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I mean, you're right. You know, former child actor is not always uh, synonymous with winning. You know what I mean? It's not, right, it's not always, right. uh, you know, top of the food chain. Um, you know what? I would say two things. Um, 
If we, it's funny, actually. Uh, for me, the journey and what really helped me was actually uh, school, specifically public school. Um, I was in, you know, public junior high in, in L.A. at Taft High in Woodland Hills, and uh, there was I could I was like, okay, well, I can't make I can't make it as an actor. But let me try something else. So I tried playing football, and so I got to like play football and and have that experience. Then I went to Berkeley for undergraduate. So I was like, okay, what do former actors? you know, do well in California. Politics. Okay, great. So student body president of Berkeley, you know. <laughs> then I was like, okay, well, you know, I still like Hollywood. A lot of people in Hollywood, you know, even if they're not lawyers, they have law degrees, they're they're deal makers. And then I went to, you know, UCLA law school. So and it's funny, that actually gets into Dealmakers Commandment seven, which is the crisis management chapter, and that's uh, you know, don't panic, stop the bleeding, don't compound the error. Don't panic, stop the bleeding, don't compound the error. The idea being um, that when you're in a high-stress situation, uh, you're going to either go with your instinct or your training. And usually when it's a crisis, if you go with your instinct, you're going to get killed. You know what I mean? You're going to get murdered. And there's an idea, there's actually, in the beginning of that chapter, uh, there's a quote from the Navy SEALs, which is, the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in combat. And for me, that chapter is kind of finding the mechanism that, you know, that even though you're in a high-stress situation, everything's going to hell, you can go, okay, don't panic, stop the bleeding, whatever is going wrong, you know, stop that damage, and don't compound the error. Don't make the decision impulsively that you think is actually going to fix everything, which actually makes everything much worse, and then you're really mm -hmm. screwed. So, so for me, it's kind of a military uh, you know, idea of when you are in high-stress situations, it's either going to be instinct or training, and you better have a methodology ready to go when everything goes to hell. Because if you're trying anything difficult, eventually, <laughs> to some degree or another, it will, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I think about your career trajectory, Jeff, and I think about mine. I mean, I had a very early career in, in politics. And I worked on a lot of high profile stuff. I worked for a president, I worked for several governors and, and a lot of wow. my people in my network think that my glory days are behind me. And I, I obviously disagree with them. Now, if I walked down the street and said, Hey, I'm interviewing Jeff Cohen today, they'd say, Hmm. Uh, okay. Who's that? If I said, Oh, I'm interviewing chunk from the Goonies, they'd say, Oh, wow. Man, what, how does, and, and the question's not asked, how did Jeff Cohen deal with, how do you deal with being chunk and how does sure. that affect your deal? And my question is how does someone in business who maybe had a success earlier in their career and they can't escape that and they want to move on, they want to mature, they want to do some different things. They want to create different things. They want to start new companies. They want to start a new advertising campaign, whatever the case may be. How do you move on from a past success? that other people in your network can't escape from. I mean, how do you move beyond that? Because that's an important lesson that, that not just doesn't apply to childhood actors like you. It applies to all of us. Sure. Um, uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I'm with you, man. It's kind of, I don't know if you, ever, if you saw the film Birdman. Uh, oh, you yeah. Know, but so, so I have my little Birdman, you know, <laughs> trunk truffling, truffle shuffling behind me. Anyway. Um, for, me, for me, it's two ideas, and I actually discuss them both in the book. One is the idea that all power originates within you. So it's up to you to determine what matters to you. It's up for, for you to determine, you know, you know, what's important and where you want to focus your energy. The second related idea is the idea of status threats. Um, there's a very human inclination to really have this kind of, you know, uh, overblown focus on status threats. What's my status to this other person? What do these people think about me? And I kind of, you know, go through it, and they've done experiments 
Um, uh, and I think it's very important, actually, because if you can eliminate status threats or minimize status threats, you can really be much happier and you can be much more successful because you're not wasting energy. They've done experiments. When, when someone's status is threatened, in the brain, in the human brain, it very much registers as if it was pain, as if you were actually getting punched in the gut. And, and uh, scientists have theorized that the reason why threats to your status actually feel physical pain is because if you go back to the ancient you know, caveman village far back enough, if you have low status, you might starve. If you have low status and the hunt comes up short, you, you're the last one in line to get food. So there's this kind of evolutionary, uh, you know, ability that we've adapted, which is that, oh, if our status is threatened, it's, it, you know, we have to be careful and we have to, you know, you know, you know it, it's pain, we're going to starve. Uh, and, I, and, you know, I think once you realize how prevalent status threats are in any human interaction, you know, when you're sitting at the, at the, at the status meeting, uh, you, know, you know, the weekly update meeting at your company, how much of that conversation is just status threat related? People mm-hmm. bragging about, uh, you know, the school they put their kid in, the place they vacationed in, the this accolade, the that accolade, and it's merely because when you feel you have status over someone, you actually get a buzz. It feels good, and when you feel your status is hurt, it, you know, it actually feels pain. So if you can kind of get beyond that and focus on what really matters to you, whether it's writing a great book or you know making a big pile of money or you know hitting your goal weight or whatever is actually really meaningful to you, separate from the masses, uh, then you kind of disempower that whole you know waste of energy, which I think is fundamentally important. Yeah, oh, I'm with you on that. You know, I I mentioned the subtitle of the book, uh, uh, "Tools for Business: Forged in the Trenches of Hollywood." Obviously, these are lessons in use. As you said, you're an entertainment lawyer, a successful sure. one at that. Yeah, and it makes sense. And good looking. And good looking. Absolutely. Well, there's been Used never to be any... chunk. Now I'm hunk. Come on, <laughs> give me my due, buddy. Well, I did you just... sit up. I, I, uh, I run on the I run on the elliptical. Come on, man, help me out here. You just gave me the title for my, for my article. Okay, so <laughs> so but this idea. I mean, when I look at the Ten Commandments, and I look at those, and I think, oh yeah, obviously this is how a guy like Jeff Cohen succeeds in this what is a very brutal cut through an industry of Hollywood. But but if you step back a bit, you look at these at these Ten Commandments. They apply to everything you do in life, business, life, relationships. I mean. Yeah, right. I mean, that, how, walk me through oh, how these you. these lessons that you learned in Hollywood, that you learned in Hollywood, how how do they apply to the to the average guy listening to this, who's who's your run of the mill business guy? Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, as I said, it, it's the uh, you know it's ten essential tools for business forged in the trenches of Hollywood. I start the book off actually with a warning. Um, there's a quote, which is, good and great are seldom the same man. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah. Good and great are seldom the same man. And I say, look, this book is about being great. It's not about being good. You know, there are other books about being good. This book is about being great. Um, so my feeling is that, and I'm a transactional lawyer in entertainment, but we also work with, you know, tech companies and, you know, you know media companies generally. So, my feeling is, although show business has a reputation for being very brutal, you know, uh, so is coal mining. They're, you still, know what I mean? they're still humans. Yeah, so is politics. So, so is, you know, trucking. So is, uh, you know, textiles. I mean, business itself is brutal, man. Ask anyone who's, you know, busted their butt at a company for 25 years and got laid off because they can find someone who's, you know, 15 years younger who will work for, you know, half the rate. Uh, so I think business generally is a very, you know, brutal 
you know, Darwinistic, <clears throat> you know, battlefield. Uh, so to that end, I made the commandments general enough where no matter what type of deal you're, you're negotiating, you know, no matter what type of, you know, uh, issues you're managing your time with or what, no matter what type of crisis you're dealing with, that they'll still be applicable. I throw in show business stories to flavor it and to kind of illustrate my points and because I think it, it's fun. I think, I think everyone's second business is show business. You know, no matter if you're an accountant in, in uh, Illinois, like your second business is show business because, you, you know, you know that this movie is going to do better than that movie or this TV show stinks and this TV show is great. So I, I flavor it with kind of show business stories, but I've, I've made it applicable to, to all business people. Ah, well, that's a key point. And, and yeah. I'm going to think on that a bit. This, the, the, everyone's business is show business because if you think about yeah. it, you're always performing, you're always selling, you're always sure. trying to convince. I mean, and how do you do that? Well, you have to put on a show. You mean you have to so that that's a that's a critical point. Well, sure. shoot, we don't have enough time to sit there and go through these ten commandments one by one. And we've touched on a number of them. We talked about the Machiavelli, it's better to be feared than loved. We talked about uh, this idea of Nietzsche. I mean, frankly, the, the the fact that there's a business book that that talks about Nietzsche is just is just magic. <laughs> that that that, that, you, that made my day. Um, there there is one that we're and we're running low on time. I want sure. to be sensitive to to uh, get you on your way, but there's one that I found intriguing that that uh, there's no pig wrestling. What is that all about? No pig wrestling. Dealmaker's commandment five. No pig wrestling. Uh, never re- the, the quote is never wrestle a pig because you get dirty and the pig enjoys it. <laughs> um, so as you gain more and more stature in your in your specific industry there's going to be more and more little piggies they're going to they're going to want to come out and wrestle you um, and combat is honor you know uh, a ceo doesn't negotiate against an intern uh, major league baseball team doesn't play against a little league squad you know the 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 champ uh, the boxing champ you know doesn't fight an unranked opponent unless you're apollo creed against rocky and we saw how that turned out mm-hmm. not awesome um, the big idea is that combat is an honor, and you have to choose your opponents wisely because you are judged by the strength of your enemies, and then you have to actually uh, choose the battle you fight with your opponent wisely as well. If combat is thrust upon you, in the book I have various mechanisms to kind of shape your enemy and then shape the conditions for victory uh, through something I call a GAT analysis, which is gun ammo target analysis of the specific battle you're getting into. So the big idea is that combat is honor, and uh, you cannot indiscriminately engage uh, in combat because it wastes your energy and it wastes your reputation. Yeah, combat is an honor. Well, I'm going to think about that a bit, too, after this conversation. I'll be honest, my favorite commandment is the one that says, everyone is on the same side their own <laughs> and, the, and i learned that lesson the hard way jeff because uh, yes there are people who are very selfish and they're orchestrating deals to, to benefit themselves but i also I, I think there's a corollary to that to say that yeah everyone's on their own side because not because they're cutthroat trying to win but because they're just they're just focused on their life and their own problems and and they may they may act a certain way not because they're trying to defeat you but because they're just their minds not the minds is just focused on their own stuff. I mean, is is that a fair read on that, or am I off? No, no, I think you're I think you're totally right. And 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 actually, throughout the book, I, I go through great lengths not to moralize. You know, it's not my point to say, oh, this is right or this is wrong or this is good or this is bad. It's just merely to say this is. 
and you know you're right you know the idea that everyone's on the same side their own uh it's reasonable it's reasonable for everyone to try to do what's in their own best interest in a business context so uh it's reasonable but it's also something that you need to be watching out for right you know you know uh, you know as you're uh you know beginning the dance as it were yeah. Well, Jeff, I, it breaks my heart to say that we're about out of time. I know you have a lot to do, so I won't let you go. Before I do let you go, sure. however, how can people learn more about the work that you're doing? And more importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of the Dealmaker's Ten Commandments? Oh, thank you so much, Todd. Sure. Just go to Amazon, and it's Dealmaker's Ten Commandments uh, by Jeff Cohen. Uh, and we have, uh, you know, a hardcover, we have Kindle, and we also have uh, Audible, which I read. So if you love this beautiful voice, you can hear more of it uh, <laughs> reading the book. So, uh, yeah, I pick it up, uh, check out the reviews, and I, hopefully your, your, uh, you know, your audience will enjoy it. I have a feeling they're going to dig it. So, And just so you know, uh, Jeff, uh, I live in a community. Uh, it's a live-work-play environment where there's retail on the ground level and residents above. And we have this common green in the middle of the community where they play movies every Thursday. And honest to God, in three weeks, the Goonies is playing. So, yes, you nice. are, you are in fact, a cultural icon. <laughs> and, I'll uh, take it. I will look forward to uh, to seeing the, seeing the film again. Jeff, it was a great pleasure to have you. Real Thanks pleasure. so much for stopping by and joining me. Thanks, Todd. Have a great day. You too. All right. Well, that okay. wraps this conversation. Again, on behalf of my guest, Jeff Cohen, the partner and co-founder with Cohen Gardner and the author of the new book, The Dealmaker's Ten Commandments, Ten Essential Tools for Business Forged in the Trenches of Hollywood. I am your host, Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business.